0: wanting to say oh yeah there she is okay uh, just want to take a moment most of you are probably aware that Lizzie Woolley who has been serving as our children's director here at Byfield uh, for the past couple of years is stepping down from that role she's stepped down from that role she started teaching elementary school in, in Seabrook New Hampshire and so that is what Lizzie is doing and we are sad to see her go Lizzie did a fantastic job uh, in that role here at Byfield and so big thank you to Lizzie uh, she'll still be around still be involved helping with Sunday school and and other things but just wanted to take a second to say thank you to her also just want to say I always miss you guys uh, I was I was here last week but didn't have any role in the service. I was gone for a couple weeks before that, and it's, uh, it's fun to come back, you know, like I, I try not to take you guys for granted in general, but sometimes a little bit of, little bit of distance uh, helps you appreciate the good things you have, so I just want to say that to you guys in this new year. Last spring, we did a sermon series here at Byfield, moving through the first 12 and a half chapters of the book of Exodus. This spring, leading up to Easter, we are going to return to the second book of the Bible, picking up where we left off and moving through chapter 19. When we began Exodus, I I talked about how this was a book of the Bible that I was familiar with from a very young age. I heard all the stories growing up. Many of you probably did as well. But... Its meaning, its resonance for my life as an adult practicing Christian wasn't really apparent to me until more recently. During our time in Exodus last year, I had many people come up to me and share the same experience. If you weren't around when we were last in Exodus, you might be feeling a sense of dread. You shouldn't. This book reports on an odyssey of faith. While our own faith journey is different in some ways, we can and will learn a lot over the coming months. We are going to begin by watching the same video we started off with last year, which was produced by the Village Church in Dallas, Texas, While that video plays, if you are using the Pew Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter 12, verses 43 through 50.
1: From darkness to light, this is the story we all share as the people of God. He draws us out to draw us in. From the birth of Israel to the church today, God Delivers and Dwells with His People. This story began several thousand years ago and it began with a promise from God to Abraham that he would make his offspring more numerous than the stars in the sky, a great nation who would one day dwell in the promised land. More than 400 years passed and Abraham's descendants had not seen this promise fulfilled. Instead, The Israelites lived as foreigners in the land. God's will for their son's life. And God did have a plan for this child. Pharaoh's daughter found the baby and did pity on him. She named him Moses because he was drawn out of the water. As Moses grew older and saw the suffering of his people, anger burned within him. When he witnessed an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, Moses killed the man and fled Egypt to hide in the desert. Years passed. And Moses made a new life for himself immediately. Then one day the voice of the Lord called out to him from a burning bush. God told Moses that he saw the persecution of his people in Egypt, and he heard their cries. He promised to deliver the Israelites from slavery, and he commanded Moses to go before Pharaoh on their behalf. Moses was terrified, so God sent Moses his father to go went before Pharaoh, performing signs and wonders. But Pharaoh would not listen. So God. they were finally set free, and the Spirit of God led the people out and toward the promised land. But Pharaoh's grief soon turned to rage. He changed his mind, and they commanded the Egyptian army to pursue them. When the Israelites came to the Red Sea, Moses lifted his staff to the sky and the waters parted. The Hebrews passed through the towering waves, and the Egyptians were swallowed by the sea he drawn his people out of bondage, out of darkness, and into the light of his presence. The story of Israel is the story of us today. We are God's people. He draws us out of our sin, our Egypt, and draws us into his presence, into relationship with him. From darkness to light.
0: All right, uh, thank you for the sound of media, guys, for getting that to work. Let's begin reading in Exodus chapter 12, verse 43. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is the statute of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat of it, but every slave that is bought for money may eat of it after you have circumcised him. No foreigner or hired worker may eat of it. It shall be eaten in one house. You shall not take any of the flesh outside the house. You you shall not break any of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. If a stranger shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. Then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. All the people of Israel did just as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. And on that very day, the Lord brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their hosts. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Today's verses are probably not the most exciting re-entry point for us into the book of Exodus. These verses do not appear very interesting or applicable in the lives of Christians today. But that's actually not the case. These verses tell us about the type of community Israel was intended to be by God. By extension, they also tell us what type of community this church is supposed to be. Both Israel and the church are exclusive covenantal communities formed by God for the purpose of blessing all people, even outsiders, through inclusion. To simplify that for present-day application, the church is an exclusive covenant community that is supposed to include all people. The covenantal communities God brings about in this world are exclusive. Sadly, not everyone is included in God's people. This was certainly true of the nation of Israel. They had been separated out from the Egyptians. God had brought about this separation through the ten plagues, especially the death of the firstborn. The separation preceded these more recent events, though. Israel was formed through a series of promises God had made over the centuries. The Israelites are supposed to maintain the separation that God had established between them, God's people, and those who are not God's people. The Israelites have a role to play in this. They are not to allow foreigners and the uncircumcised to eat the Passover meat. The Passover was the symbolic practice God had given the Israelites to actively remember their formation as a people. In this way, the Passover was a combination of Christmas and Easter, For the Jews. In celebrating the Passover. They were to remember. When God had separated them. From the Egyptians they were captive to. When he had saved them. Only those that had been incorporated. Into the nation of Israel. Could participate in the Passover ritual. Part of the purpose of the Passover was to reaffirm connections to the past and in the present, but also to look forward to God's final fulfillment of his promises in the future. The Passover was a renewal of the exclusive covenant arrangement between God and Israel. The Israelites excluding others doesn't seem very kind or generous. It's like a bizarro Thanksgiving. Originally, Thanksgiving was a time when settlers and native inhabitants set aside their differences to to be in community together. It feels a bit mean-spirited that the Israelites are not supposed to let those that are different be a part of their celebration. As social creatures, we all want to be included. Most of us probably have a memory of not being invited to some event. Maybe it was a party in high school or... Or maybe it was a Christmas celebration two weeks ago. Whatever the circumstance was that made us feel left out, we don't like it and we don't want others to feel excluded. The fact that God is the one mandating the exclusion in these verses is disturbing for some. It doesn't fit with the idea that God loves all people is it not true that all are precious in his sight in these verses god is telling the israelites to maintain separation between themselves and foreigners as always some would get around these verses by dismissing them they would say This is the Old Testament, after all. Doesn't it reflect an antiquated way of thinking that no longer applies in our present global world? Dismissing these verses is problematic, not just from a biblical perspective, although it is certainly that. The theological premise of this sermon series is that the church is a continuation of what God was doing through Israel. We have inherited the promises that God made to Israel. There are differences between the church and Israel, but not in this matter. The church is very much the same as Israel in that it doesn't include everyone. The church that Jesus formed during his time on this earth that continues to exist to this day is exclusive as well. You see this exclusion repeatedly in the Gospels. Jesus tells multiple parables that highlight the separation between those that are of this world and those that belong to God. There are the sheep and there are the goats. There are the tares and there is the wheat. Paul and other New Testament authors don't soften any of what Jesus said in the Gospels. In 2 Corinthians 6, Paul writes, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? Christians and the church exist within the world. And no point in scripture does it tell all of us to pick up and move to form some distant utopia cut off from the world. no. We are supposed to be salt and light. We are supposed to be in the world, but not of it. The modern church, out of a good desire to be salt and light, may have swung so far towards being in the world that we have forgotten that we are not supposed to be of it. There is an essential separation between those in the church and those that are not. In both the case of Israel and the church, God has separated his people from the world and made them his own. He has set aside a people for himself. The church and Israel are both exclusive communities created by God to bless as many people as possible. To understand this paradox in the case of Israel, it's helpful to go back to the original promise that God made to Abraham. This promise happened way back in Genesis chapter 12. Abraham, who is still known as Abram at the time, is minding his own business. God comes to him and says, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you, and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God promises Abram several exclusive things. A land to make him a great nation and to make his name great. God also states that through what he is doing for Abram, All the families of the earth shall be blessed. When God came to the Israelites in Egypt, he was continuing the promises he had made to Abram all those years before. He would give them a land for themselves just as he had already made them a nation. Like their father Abram, the Israelites were drawn out from the world. The relationship God was establishing with them was special and unique. At the same time, the purpose of the promise God made to Abram wasn't just for his own well-being. Neither is the continuation of that promise for the Israelites. In both situations, God is drawing out an elect people so that they can be a blessing to the entire world. The Israelites are supposed to show the world what it looks like to be in an exclusive relationship with God. The church inherits. The promises God made to Abram that carried over to the nation of Israel. Like Israel, we are also intended to be a blessing to all people. Back when I was in seminary, I took a class on international missions. There were two assignments in the class that were particularly challenging for me. One... I had to be able to identify every country in the world on a blank map. Now, prior to this class, I thought I was pretty good at geography. Turns out there were all sorts of countries in Africa and Asia that I didn't even know existed. And I think that was really the point of the assignment. The point of the assignment wasn't to prove that I could memorize 200 plus countries and identify them on a map. The point of the assignment was that in doing it, I was forced to realize my own limited view. The second assignment was memorizing a lot of scripture. I don't remember how many passages there were, but it felt like a lot. And one of those passages was the Genesis 12 passage we read a few minutes ago. We memorize that particular passage because it is so basic to understanding the present church's responsibility to do missions both locally and around the world. Even in those obscure countries that I had never even heard of. Here at Byfield, that's why we support missions. Because it's part of the calling of the church going all the way back to when Abram was originally called into covenant community with God thousands of years ago. The church is the means by which God has determined he will bless all the people of the earth. Israel and the church are both exclusive communities. A person is either a part of them or they are not. You see this in the Exodus text. There are foreigners that are not part of Israel. While both Israel and the church don't include everyone, the ambition is to bless everyone for both. People are blessed when they are directed toward God and Jesus Christ. That is the primary way those outside the exclusive covenant communities God has formed are blessed by being pointed to the Lord who is the source of all blessings. Israel and the church were intended by God to bless all in the world by bringing people into God's exclusive, covenantal community. How can an exclusive community be inclusive, you may may ask? God made arrangements to make that possible. Today's verses mention circumcision several times. Talking about circumcision is uncomfortable for understandable reasons. It seems impolite. Recently, I was playing racquetball with this guy I don't know very well, and he found out I was a pastor. We'll call him Jim. And Jim was telling me that he had gone to church recently with his wife, and as part of the church worship service, the priest had talked about circumcision, and this really bothered Jim a lot. He felt like it was really an inappropriate topic to come up in a public setting. I imagine if Jim was here today, he would not be too pleased. Circumcision is an important aspect of the covenant dynamic throughout the Bible. It may make some squeamish, but it is unavoidable. Today's verses state, those who were not Israelites, foreigners and slaves, can become Israelites and participate in the Passover if they were circumcised. This may not sound like a very desirable option. It is actually extraordinary. In the ancient world, you didn't just choose your tribe or culture or nation. It wasn't something that you just identified with. Prior to these verses, the Israelites have been in Egypt for 400 years, and the Egyptians still consider them outsiders. Through the sign of circumcision, God is including individuals who have no historical part in God's exclusive covenant with Israel in that arrangement. Those who were excluded from Israel could be included through circumcision, which symbolized embracing God's promises. God's expectation was that outsiders would become insiders. Israel was in an exclusive relationship with God. It was also designed with a mechanism of grace to include outsiders. Circumcision was a key component of that mechanism. Part of God's frustration with Israel over much of the remainder of the Old Testament is that Israel did not make the special relationship they had with God Seemed desirable to outsiders. Their ineptitude, their rebellions. Meant that God was constantly having to discipline them. Those outside, they didn't see a nation being blessed through a covenantal relationship with God. They saw a dysfunctional group of people they didn't want to be a part of. As with Israel, the church is in an exclusive covenantal relationship with God that is supposed to bless the world by bringing outsiders in. Thankfully, physical circumcision is no longer necessary for becoming part of the church. It has been replaced. Instead of an outward physical sign that was always intended to symbolize a larger commitment, God has opted for a more significant change. Romans 2.28 describes the circumcision necessary to be a part of the church. Paul writes, For no one is a Jew who is merely one Outwardly, Nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the Spirit, not by the letter. All who have had their hearts circumcised by the Spirit are included in the exclusive covenantal community that is the church. God's divine ambition is unchanged from what it was in Genesis 12. He wants to include all people in this blessing. Every tribe and tongue, every nationality and race, the implications for the church of being God's exclusive covenantal community is that he desires all people to be included in are immense. The church is separated from the world. To be a Christian is to be a part of the church. Those who are not Christians whose hearts haven't been changed by the Holy Spirit are not part of the church, even if they spend every Sunday morning singing, How Great Thou Art. Those that make up the church should share God's desire to see all people included in it. This this is uncomfortable. We shouldn't just want people that are like us. Those with similar cultural backgrounds or, or wealth. We should want all people as God does. Lastly, the church should take seriously that those outside of the church are basing the desirability of being in the church on their observations of us. The nations surrounding Israel didn't hold the God of Israel in very high regard for much of the Old Testament because of Israel. Do those outside the church today hold the Lord of the church in high regard? If not, why not? If it's because the church lives out biblical principles, that is fine. It is even good we are not supposed to be like the world. If it is because we are a stubborn, infighting mess, like Israel so often was, we have some repenting to do. Both Israel and the church are exclusive covenantal communities formed by God for the purpose of blessing all people, even outsiders, through inclusion. To simplify that for present-day application, the church is an exclusive covenant community with the ambition to include all people. All with hearts that are circumcised by the Spirit are part of the church. We live out our changed hearts in a community that magnifies the Lord who changed who we are. The church, when it is properly living out God's purposes, will be different from the world. It will also be a community that highlights the goodness of God's desire to be in an exclusive covenantal relationship with all people. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you. Uh, for, for those in this room that have the, the, the privilege, the honor to be a part of your church, Lord, to be a part of the exclusive relationship that you have made possible with, with us, with people in this world, we thank you for that. We thank you for the blessing that that is and the blessings that come with being in a relationship with you. I pray that as we live out those blessings, that we seek the ultimate blessing, which is you, that others would see that those in this world that are are outside of a relationship with you would see the goodness, the blessings that come with knowing you. I pray that we would model that, As individuals and as a church in this world, I pray that we would take seriously the call that you have given us to share the good news of Jesus Christ with this world. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.